0: eyes peeled everyone it's time for the full 10 yards college football podcast
1: And welcome to the full 10 yards college football podcast uh back well into draft season now and uh yeah we're, we're into draft season ourselves we were just commenting before how on zoom we all like we in a war room and that's exactly what we're going to do this evening we've got two round mock draft for you with some trades as well so we're going to spice it up and keep it interesting and i think there's at least one blockbuster in there isn't there so we'll keep you guys entertained um with that one um and it's probably not who you think it's going to be actually moving up so uh yeah, we've, we've kind of all split out amongst ourselves. Uh, I think we've got five or six teams each. We won't go through who the order is, but basically what we did was we basically just snake draft of the teams. We kind of drafted the teams we were going to draft for, and we've kind of gone through it like that. Uh, like I said, I won't run that through for you all, but uh, yeah, we've got a quite nice mixture amongst us, for all of those. Working all in. Just give us a nod. Everyone's all right. We've got six of us on. We've got Kieran, we've got Raj, we've got Andy, Liam and Robin, obviously myself. So let's, let's just get cracking, actually. Let's just get straight into it. Um, Rob is on the clock with the Jags.
2: First overall pick of it. Oh, do you want me to do it properly? With the first pick of the 2021 <laughs> NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select... Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, Clemson, of course, there's a big shock. Um, no, there's no shocks here. I think all of us have got Trevor Lawrence down as definitely our number one quarterback, probably our number one overall player in this draft. Um, Kieran's probably got Jamar Chase in there, but, who, you know, we, we, all, know, we all know the truth. <laughs> no, uh, Trevor Lawrence, yeah, he's, he's, I think it's nailed on that he's going to Jacksonville. They need a quarterback. He's the best one coming out of college for a long while it's this one's nailed on. I would pretty much, I'd be tempted to put my mortgage on this one. Uh, I don't think it's going to be arguments. So uh, I'll hand it over to uh, Andy Moore with the New York Jets.
0: Thanks mate. Yep. Uh, surprised not to see Chase go there, to be honest. I thought that was an interesting pick. Uh, <laughs> um uh, no, I, I'm going to uh, mix it up quickly. I, I, I think um, I don't think this guy is necessarily the second best quarterback uh, in the draft. I think it's just in fields, but I feel like I, I've picked the, uh, Zach Wilson for, for the Jets. I think I've seen a lot of kind of talk linking Wilson to the Jets. I think it um, kind of makes sense in that style of offense that they, they want to play there. And I think Wilson's probably got um, shoulders for the kind of um, New York media and that sort of angle as well. So uh, I'll keep it quite, quite short. I don't think needs to go into it a whole lot it could have been fields as well um but uh, i just have a feeling that the jets will go for zach wilson and i will hand it to raj with the dolphins or not <laughs>
3: so uh, yeah dolphins picking at three and um it's the first trade of the evening whereby the carolina panthers have called uh miami and said right we'll offer you thirty39. And rather than a a 2022 pick, they instead offered D.J. Moore, uh, which Miami accepted. Um, So that puts Carolina at number three. And as we all know, Carolina are really hungry for their next quarterback. They were in for Matthew Stafford before he chose the Rams. Um, So with that being said, uh, the quarterback of their choice is Justin Fields, dual threat quarterback. Everyone's seen a lot of the film in terms of what he's able to do. Um, Really impressed, especially against Clemson in the semifinals, beating out-jeweling Trevor Lawrence. Um, Perfect fit for Joe Brady to work his magic. And um, that is their future quarterback and uh, hopefully to be their next Cam Newton. So that's the Panthers pick in in the book. And I'll pass it over to Lee, who has pick number four.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for that, Raj. Um, lovely bit of draft collusion between yourself there, moving up for your <laughs> for your Panthers and, and Dolphins, you both controlling. Uh, yeah, so the Falcons are on the clock and because of the run-on quarterbacks, they get the talent. They get the pick of the talent sorry, outside of that position. And I'm going to go for the best player not named, Trevor Lawrence, in the draft class for Atlanta Falcons. That's Penae Suell. So I think this will all start at right tackle for the Falcons in year one, probably switch to left uh, at some point in the future when Jake Matthews moved on. It's just about getting you know, the best player available and just making, you know, just maximising what you can get out of Matt Ryan in the, the sort of dregs of his career, really. Caelan McGarry has just not been good enough. Uh, you know, like I said, you need Ryan to be good, you need the new running back to be good, because you've got Arthur Smith there right now, and he's going to want to bring in a new running back, and he's going to want to you know, run the ball a heck of a lot, and just having good tackles and a good defensive line overall to do that will be you know, something that they need. I also think Sewell will help Chris Lindstrom to be better, and that's, again, something that they'll need for the running game and also the passing game. So, yeah, if you're picking at the top five, you need to acquire a franchise changer in some way. And I think Saul is that on multiple levels and will be for a very, very long time, considering he is still very, very young. Andy?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, if, you, if uh, Fields or Wilson still on the board, do you think the, the Falcons go quarterback instead?
1: Yeah, I think so. I said this a little bit like about the Chargers last year when they were sat at six. You'd like to think that a team like Atlanta, who are decent, you know, they're not like gonna win the Super Bowl next year or anything like that. And the same for the Chargers, decent, but not gonna win the Super Bowl. You need, you're not gonna pick in the top five, top six every year. So you've got to strike while the Iron's hot and get a quarterback. Um my pick would be Justin Fields, obviously with my QB two, keeps him in, you know, round near where he grew up and things like that. I think it'd be a pretty perfect pick, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, obviously not possible in this one. But yeah, for sure, definitely a consideration for me if that had fallen the way it did. Um, I'll hand over then to Liam, who's on the clock with the Cincinnati Bengals.
4: Yeah, pick five for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I think a candidates to trade down from here, but uh, they, uh, no trade deals made. They're sticking to number five and uh, taking Jamal Chase, wide receiver from LSU. Um, first wide receiver off the board and um, mainly for offensive fit and back with his best friend, uh Joe Burrow helps them both hugely. It it raises a lot of questions about Jamar Chase and his uh, kind of lack of playing time over the last twelve months. Um, I've spoken about it before. I really like the the fit there for him. So uh, yeah, we're going to be making uh, making that pick. Jamar Chase coming to the Cincinnati Bengals um, and back with Joe Burrow back in uh, an offense where like he'll fit in. There's at least three or four wide receivers hitting free agency for the Bengals at the moment as well, so it's a bit of a need for them as well. Um, So, yeah, we run that pick in, Jamar Chase coming to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, And now we'll go um, back to Lee, who's got pick number six.
1: Yeah, I just want to ask a quick question of Kieran, actually. If that happened, obviously, with Chase and Burrow in Cincinnati, would you switch teams?
5: No, no, I I couldn't (laughs) couldn't do that. I've already said the only way I'm switching teams is if we somehow sign Big Ben at the Patriots, so I, I think I'm probably safe for now.
1: Yeah, probably safe for now. Yeah, like Liam said, I'm on the clock with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I was basically going to target whoever Liam didn't pick at wide receiver, if that's the way he went, which he did. So I'm going to go for Devonta Smith uh, to go to Eagles at number six. Everyone knows that the Eagles are in a massive, massive rebuild. They've got cap issues. And when you're in rebuild, you either need you know high ceiling players, young talent or picks. And I feel like you're getting a massive, massive talent here uh, You know, in Devonta Smith. The Eagles are doing the second part of that, gathering picks and things like that through the Carson Wentz trade, which might end up costing the Colts first round if they, you know, play Wentz enough over 70% of the snaps in 2021. They could also trade back. I think I'm in the same sort of ballpark as Liam there, you know, thinking that this could be a trade back move because like I say, you know, they're not going to be winning the Super Bowl anytime soon in Philadelphia. And it's going to be a multi-year rebuild over there. But as I mentioned, it's all about acquiring talent again, especially near the top of the draft. Um, and Smith is like right up there with the best of the talent in the draft, isn't he? You know, a blue chip player. And he makes whoever is throwing the ball in Philadelphia's job very much uh, an easier task than it would be without him. And I think Nick Sarini and Shane Slyken, they were part of the Chargers group under Anthony Lynn. And despite the flaws under Lynn, I think the offense was usually pretty decent. So it's an offensive pick to kind of make their lives easier uh, in the new era in Philadelphia.
4: Yeah, I'm not surprised uh with the pick. Like you said there your thought process was uh, one or the other between which way we'd we'd go with Cincinnati. So were you thinking between Chase and Smith or did you consider Jalen Waddle as well?
1: Um no, I, I didn't really. I mean, I know I love Jalen Waddle and I think all of us do, but the injury just scares me a little bit, probably yeah. more than more than more than anything else on the because if you are picking such a, a you know, in a draft position like five or six. You have got to be pretty sure that it's going to come off. Otherwise, you know it's a big, big risk, isn't it? And it does just worry me a little bit. If you're taking him in the teens, Waddle, I'm talking about. Um, I don't mind as much, but when you're playing with real top end draft capital, it's it's to take the safe one.
2: I think, yeah, yeah. I think Waddle did help himself by being potentially available in the playoff championship playoff and um, that you know spoke volumes about how he worked back and obviously if there would have been a combine you would have seen him, seen him probably at full health I think that would have helped him so not having a combine is probably a hindered Waddle but we'll, hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll touch on him a bit later potentially.
1: Yeah no I completely agree with you there Rob um, and I don't think you're wrong in terms of saying that he would you know done himself a lot of favours being available for the latter part of the season but you know when we're playing with like say a draft capital like that I think you just take the safer bet which is in a way a bit of a Norman because obviously I've taken Devonta Smith, who is the, the outlier. But here we go. Uh, passing over to Andy with the Detroit Lions at number seven.
0: Yeah, possibly a slightly uh, controversial one this time around. Um, I'm going for the first cornerback uh, off uh, the board in quite a loaded draft for cornerbacks. I'm going for JC Horn from uh, South Carolina. Um, I love the fit opposite Jeff Okuda. Back to back, top 10 cornerbacks for the Lions. They've just got so many holes on the roster that you could have thrown a dart here at any of the kind of other top 10 sort of players and uh, and any of them would have stuck really, um, including quarterback, of course. Um, but I just like the fit of Horn opposite uh, Akudo. I think that's created like a pretty dominant secondary. I think Akuda obviously will need to grow on his performance last year, um, but given like uh, such an aggressive uh, physical and athletic Corner in Horn opposite him just kind of makes a real matchup nightmare for for teams, and, and you know the kind of division they're playing in. Uh, you know um, they've got a lot of talent at wide receiver to to go up against. So two really premier uh, premier guys here, and I think they could kind of be the the future of the uh, of the Lions rebuild to, to to kick it off. And with that, I will throw back to raj with the Dolphins. Things about to get exciting in South Beach. So uh, pick number eight. So Waddle's still on the board, obviously, but uh, the
3: pick is actually Carl Pitts, tight end. Um, obviously, Mike is already on the roster, so you would think, like, why, why have Carl uh, Pitts there as well? Well, the guy doesn't drop any, 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 any passes. He's, he's an amazing run blocker. Tua needs weapons. The only way to judge Tua is to give him the best weapons. Um, you saw in the last game versus the Bills when you're rolling out Mac Hollins, uh, Isaiah Ford, Lynn Bowden. Um, Smy, Shaheen, those are not weapons that you can judge two on. So, getting, in my opinion, the second best wide receiver in in the draft because Kyle Pitts maybe may as well be classed as a wide receiver. He's that good in terms of his, his variety and what he can do on the on the field. Um, it's just a matchup nightmare for defenses having Gesicki and Kyle Pitts. Um, how do you cover them? Do you put your best corner on Kyle Pitts. You you put your linebackers on Pitts or Gasicki, It's a matchup nightmare. Um, again, it, it gives two of the weapons, and then you can judge two after year two. Right, you've got all these weapons for you. Let's see how good you really are. Would um, fit in terms of uh, Flores was in was in New England when they had Gronk and Hernandez. So. There not really that tight end combination in the league at the minute where two elite tight ends in the same team? The NFL is always developing in terms of how best we could, how best they can, teams can sort of be match up nightmares. So, perfect fit. Um, and uh, yeah, can see him doing really well in South Beach. Um, next, I'll hand it over to Kieran with the Broncos.
5: First cornerback off the board, guys. I've got the Broncos picking Patrick Certain. Oh, sorry second. Patrick Sertain the second. Um, Razor Finn uh, for me for him being cornerback too. I think he's probably one of the best corners in college football right now. Benefits from being in a Saban defense which very closely resembles an NFL defense which makes him very quickly able to plug and play into almost any system. He's great at attacking the catch point. He rarely gives up penalties. Um, I mean his size is a problem for people. But I I think in terms of having a cornerback who's ready to go off the bat for a team who kind of need to augment their defence. I know their offence isn't great, but I think this is a greater need for them. Hoping Drew Locke uh, can develop. Yeah, Patrick is the best cornerback available right now, probably. Uh, And we're going to hand it over to Andy with the Cowboys pick.
0: Yeah, first I just want to say that that, uh, Dolphins receiver group has just gone from zero to hero with Pitts, DJ Moore... Uh, Kazicki, Parker and more to come maybe Alan Robinson in free agency as well just absolutely filthy <laughs> sign me up for every second of it um, yeah the Cowboys obviously uh, like just looked horrendous in the secondary last year with the exception of, uh, of Diggs so um, I'm adding a, another corner, uh, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech um, feels to me that Farley probably could be cornerback one as well. I have to see what he does on his pro day, um, given the lack of recent action. But for me, Yeah, I mean, it's a toss-up between the top three corners uh, in Horn, Satane and Farley. Uh, Kieran, you've covered them a lot more, so maybe you've got a slightly different take on that. But um, whichever one of them lands uh, here just just makes perfect sense for the Cowboys for me. Boost that secondary, um, boost the Cowboys' defence overall and and stop hemorrhaging points for, hopefully for Dak, well, not hopefully, I don't really care where Dak Prescott goes, but hopefully for the Cowboys, uh, they'll have Dak Prescott firing on all cylinders on the other side of the ball as well.
5: I will say quickly, uh, I did actually mention before the podcast, the, the difference between Sertain, Farley and JC Horn is so minimal for me. Like I'm probably going to regrade to reflect how I feel, but all three of them are, are top cornerbacks in this draft and picking between the three. I think you're essentially getting the same thing with each guy, but maybe just a tiny bit of a different flavor uh, in those respects that, They're all fantastic, but the difference is razor thin. So I think these first three cornerbacks off the board, these picks are fairly interchangeable.
0: Nice. Yeah, agreed. Rob, over to you with the Giants for a pretty typical pick, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I looked
2: at the Giants and their needs and, and I thought... It might be a bit too early for edge. I'm not in love with any of the top edges. It, Pitts had gone off the board at the tight end and obviously they've, they've got Engram, but they they about getting replacing him. Um, wide receiver, the top two have gone off the board. could have gone Waddle. Quarterback we've just seen three go off the board. And I, I think there's a tier jump now between those top three. Linebacker could have took um, Mika Parsons here, but, uh, I don't know, he, he doesn't pass some tests for me um, mentally. So I've gone on the offensive line, which I think is a it's a bit of a need for the, the Giants. Now, when it came, when it boiled down to it, there was a couple of, I could have gone for. I wanted to have someone who was interchangeable, someone who could play in sort of any position along that line. Um, because, you know, they're, they're not... Completely useless on that line. Obviously, they drafted Andrew Thomas last year. Um, Will Hernandez mm, is all right. Kevin Zeitler, yeah, he's all right. But yeah, they needed sort of a right tackle and and maybe someone uh, an interior guy. So I went for Alex Leatherwood. It was between him and um, Rashawn Slater. Rashawn Slater missed 2020. Um, yeah, I, I think he's good, but I don't think he's worthy of top 10. I did go for Leatherwood because he's one of these interchangeable um, offensive linemen. Um, lined up a tackle for Alabama, can play inside, though. Uh, can shift him out to the right if needed. So, so yeah, Alex Leatherwood for me, uh, I uh, don't know whether he's a top 15 pick, but um, I think he was the best sort of fit here. So I think they've reached a little bit, but they've taken their guy who they can put anywhere on, along the line. So uh, I hand you over to Lee, um, who's got uh, an interesting trade here.
1: Yeah, I believe this was between you and I, wasn't it, Raj? I think you were originally in the control of the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, it was,
3: yes. Yeah. So I had the 49ers at 12, and uh, this is the blockbuster trade I think we are all waiting for. We all know what the situation is in, is in Houston with uh, Deshaun Watson. So 49ers are offering um, first and second this year first and second next year, as well as Jimmy G and uh, Dre Greenlaw. Um, that seems quite a lot of draft capital and, and players to send over, but with 49ers pick being number 12, um, they don't have as much leverage as, say, the Jets and the Dolphins, if they were in that conversation as well. Hence, they, they have to they have to give more assets away to, to the Houston Texans. Uh, for me, Jimmy G obviously fits the 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 culture and the ethos that they're trying to create in, in Houston with regards to B and Casero, um, obviously putting their fingerprints on, 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 on Houston. Um, and for the 49ers, you're getting the second, third best quarterback in the NFL, um, instantly puts them in, into the Super Bowl uh, conversation with regards to winning the NFC. Um, Kyle Shanahan getting to grips with, A a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, that offense could be seriously explosive with Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, Samuel, uh, seven or eight running backs, however many they have, (laughs) because they seem to get guys from the street and they end up putting 100-yard games after 100-yard games. And you can just imagine Kyle Shanahan wouldn't really care too much about the defense uh, because he knows that his offense is so high-powered that he he could absolutely take on anyone in that division and that conference. Um, And in terms of obviously giving Dre Dre Greenlaw away to the the Texans, he is the second best linebacker in that team. Fred Warner, in my opinion, is the best linebacker in the NFL. So you still got that that chess piece there that that can uh, anchor your defence as well as Bosa coming back next year as
0: well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me personally, it'd probably unite one of my favourite quarterbacks for and my favourite head coach. So I feel like that offence, like you say, could wreck the league. And it's something as a fan of a team in the AFC that I wouldn't mind seeing happen because it's out of conference and it would be a really, really fun matchup to see. But um, yeah, it's a lot to give away. And I'm in charge of the Texans for this. And I was delighted to get this pick uh, and this, this haul, really, because I feel like it allows at least the beginning of remodeling of this franchise, which needs a heck of a lot of remodeling. You know, I've picked up two nice pieces. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't going to set the world on fire. He's an above-average QB who can steady the ship and help the rebuild and kind of make it not embarrassing for the next two years. Um, And also, it gets my disgruntled QB out of town and, you know, like you say, begins to build that culture again. This Hopefully, I think what they're trying to dip, dip into is obviously this Patriots culture, isn't it? Obviously, what Jimmy G was... Uh, part of, and obviously, like you know, with the front office staff that are in charge now. As I said with the Philadelphia pick a, a, mo- a few moments ago, if you rebuild and it's all about getting good players and picks, and I feel like that trade that we just made achieves it. So, how does it all fit together? As I mentioned, Garoppolo is a decent quarterback, he's got another two years on his contract with very little dead money on it. So, if he's fantastic, then great, or we'll extend him. If he's not, then he's easy to get rid of. So, it's kind of a, a win win on that sense. Dre Greenlaw's a player that I actually asked for that Raj didn't offer in, in the first place I actually asked for him in particular because on the on the defensive side of the ball I think it gives them a bit of fresh blood adds physicality adds energy and he can replace you know one or two other linebackers out there that are getting a little bit uh, a little bit older sorry and it teams up with Zach Cunningham and then other defensive pieces like Justin Reed, Ross Blacklock Charles Amenehu and I think it gives them a nice little framework to begin with like I say this begin this rebuild and uh, Getting to the actual pick that I actually took with 12 is Jalen Waddle, who I think gives someone to throw to, uh, gives Jimmy G someone to throw to. He adds again that speed, that dynamism. He replaces Will Fuller in that role as that downfield threat. I know that Jimmy G doesn't go downfield that often, but you know, Jalen Waddle with the ball in his hands can create whatever he wants. And you know, going back onto the offense again, that framework is kind of beginning to get there. You know, I've got Garoppolo, I've got Waddle, I've got Lyra McTunsell, I've got David Johnson for another year. I can kind of find my feet a little bit there with the Texans and kind of begin to rebuild. And I've got another second round pick now uh, to kind of make add another piece a little bit later on down the line in our draft. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. I don't think you can pick out a massive winner in both sides. I think both sides are pretty happy with that one. And um, yeah, so that'll end me with the Texans passing over to myself with the and my Chargers, who at number 13. Take Rashawn Slater, a player that obviously Rob mentioned earlier on, having that flexibility. Um, And that flexibility is something that I really need on my Chargers line moving into the next year because I don't want to get backed into a hole and backed into a corner with, you know, who I need to take in the next round. I've got three players that that I've mentioned uh, recently on the podcast that Kieran and I did with the Draft Punks. And um, that's Elijah Vera Tucker, Christian Darasau and Rashawn Slater. This board's fantastic for me because all three are still on the table. I believe that Vera Tucker and Slater give me that versatility you know, to play inside now. that flexibility to go into the next round. I'm not backed into the corner as I would be with Christian Darathor in saying, right, I've got to take someone who can play inside, either at centre or at guard. So that flexibility did sort of move me towards either Vera Tucker or Rashawn Slater. I feel like you get a lot of versatility with both of them, and it's pretty much a cigarette paper between what I want for these two. Um, I would be happy with either, as I mentioned before. Slater's got great foot speed, he's got great lateral movement, something that we've been sorely missing on the Chargers line. And I think it makes an ideal left tackle. Although, you know, maybe when we come next, uh, it's my next pick in the second round, we'll see whether he actually ends up staying there. So there, yeah, that's my kind of thinking with the with the thirteenth pick. I won't ruin anything more, actually, what I was about to say. Rob, I'll come to you for for a point.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I've, so I've just taken Alex Leatherwood off the board at 11. Would he be in play at all or would you What would you side with Slater and Vera Tucker being the, the two two sort of guys that stand out for you or is, is Leatherwood in the conversation if he's available?
1: Not not for me. He's he's not on the
2: same level as these three that I mentioned. If
1: I'm talking in you know, the real draft, if those three are available, then it's the perfect scenario, which is kind of what fell. Leatherwood's a bit behind all these three for me. I do agree with you that he does give that inside-out versatility. I like him more as a guard though I don't really like him as a tackle as much in the NFL I feel like his aggressiveness can make him a really really good guard um I don't think he's a great fit for the Chargers personally either I don't think he's really athletic enough whereas you get these these three guys who really can move in space it's what the Chargers look for really good player not at 13 for me um but you know more of a more of a no on for a fit as well for this one Raj what about you? Yeah, going
3: back to Slater, how much do you think that 2019 19 tape against Chase Young has really sort of favoured you in terms of him compared to Or Veritaker and Leatherwood?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's the first thing that everyone mentions, isn't it, when they come home and talk about Rashawn Slater. Obviously, it's impressive. It is only one game, though. And, you know, a sample size of one is almost you know worth nothing. But then again, it is like against second pick of last year's draft. And... Yeah, it was a super impressive performance with with what he put together against Chase Young. And it definitely goes into my thinking. You know, if you think that's the ceiling and he can reach that on a consistent base in the NFL, then you're looking at someone who can be one of the top left tackles in the league. So it does come into my consideration. It's not the be-all and end-all. Um, you know, Elijah Vera came up against Caleb Thibodeau in a game against uh, Oregon last year, and it was probably one of his worst games of the season. So if you're going you to maybe the number one pick next year against AVT and AVT kind of struggled versus... Um, Chase Young, number two pick last year and then Rashawn Slater basically shut him out of the game that's a bit of a deciding factor although as I'm saying I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit because I'm saying one game doesn't really matter too much but it definitely enters the thinking and I'm handing over now to Liam with the Minnesota Vikings.
4: I bet you would love Slater to fall to the Chargers like that wouldn't you? (laughs) That would be the perfect ball. Awesome isn't it? Um, I'm on the clock now with the Minnesota Vikings at 14 and um... I think looking when I went over the depth chart and looked at free agency, I think the Vikings are in pretty good shape at the moment uh, at this spot. And um, I think that um, we can sit here in our purple suits and take in the, the big board. And uh, this is a, this is a BPA pick. I'm, I'm going to take Micah Parsons, linebacker from Penn state. Um, again, it's, there's not huge holes in the linebacking core in Minnesota, but um there is, uh, I think, a lack of depth, especially on the weak side. And uh, with Parsons, you've got a guy that can play across the whole formation. I think Minnesota, looking at it again, is a really good spot to kind of figure out his best position across there, that kind of formation. And um, it's a real kind of sweet spot for a, a linebacker at the moment as well. So I think, uh, yeah, Micah Parsons at, at pick 14 works really well for, for Minnesota. Um and yeah, we'll hand over now to pick 15, which is Kieran on the clock with his Patriots.
5: Yes, now Rob's got to be quiet for this whole pick because I know he's going to love it, but we're going for quarterback and the next best one available. Sorry to that kid who plays at some FCS school that lost the other day. Um, it's Kyle Drask out of Florida. I think in terms of you want a guy who, you know, the Patriots have never... Look, Tom Brady, I love him, but he he's never been like a great arm strength guy or like an impressive uh, physically impressive guy. Uh, and I think Kyle Trask fits that role per, uh, perfectly. He is a bit, obviously, more physically impressive than Tom Brady, but he's a great game manager. He's obviously gone up against the best defences in college football already, being at an SEC school. And I think if they want a guy who's going to come in and game manage for the next two, three years, Perfect guy. Might be a bit of a reach, but I also think he can do well with the Patriots. They've got a system where it is take what the defense gives you rather than try and make big plays every other throw that you make. So I think this is is the perfect thing for him. And, you know, he's pretty handsome. My only knock on him is that he's called Kyle. So I think apart from that, we're looking at a perfect quarterback. And Raj also wants to chime in.
3: Uh, do you think he starts week one, considering there's absolutely no weapons on the Patriots' offence?
5: Uh it's either that or Jarrett Stidham, mate. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm a big fan of Stidham. But after what, after what happened last season, I'm doubtful that we would start him. So I, I think for lack of other talent, we would start him. And I'm hoping we get some grabs in free agency because the most impressive wide receiver we actually have right now who's confirmed coming back is Jacoby Myers and the only record he's broke is the first person to reach 1,000 yards without a touchdown. So, you know, it's sparse on the talent side and I think Kyle Trask is probably the best available at this point who who could give us a chance of maybe going above 500.
0: Delighted as that pick for as a Dolphins fan. Xavier and Howard will see you see you shortly. <laughs>
5: Look, mate. I'd all credit to Brian Flores. He took what he learned under the great Bill Belichick and turned it into an absolute great season for you guys. So respect to him. But now it's over to Raj with his pick at number sixteen.
3: So I've got the Cardinals here now. This this mock draft was done mid of last week, so this was pre JJ Watt. So um, I had Quitty Pay going to the Cardinals from Michigan. Um, I, I see him more as a, a, of, of an outside linebacker rather than um, a defensive uh, end in the Cardinals system because they play a 3-4 uh, defence. Uh, I see a lot of similarities to what the Packers have done with Rashawn Gary, um, who was also a Michigan guy as well, who was a defensive end in college and converted to outside linebacker. Um, and... At the back end of last season, he really showed up on tape. And he's, I think, next season, he's really going to make the leap even further. Quiddy pays is very similar. He's on Bruce Fieldman's freak list. I think he's top of Bruce Fieldman's freak list. He, he's going to run in the late four fives in, in his um, combine. And I think just learning under J.J. Watt and Charma Jones, two of the best edge players in the last 10 years, He's going to have to be coached up. Give him a couple of years when those guys end up moving on or retiring. He's going to be the leader of that defence. So I think that pick really suits what the Cardinals are doing. Obviously, Vance Joseph, being a former um, Dolphins coordinator, I'm not the, the most impressed with him as a, in his sort of capabilities as a Dolphin, as a Cardinals uh, defensive coordinator. But I, th- I think he's the right pick, even, even after JJ Watts uh, joined the Cardinals. Um, and then it, it comes back to me again with the Raiders. Uh, I think all Raiders picks need to be defence because the defence is absolutely shocking. So it's about who, who do I think is the best player available uh, for, for their defence. I've gone for Jeremiah he is koromoa He can do it all. He can cover. He's explosive um, in terms of off the line. His tackling is absolutely insane. There are some real big hits on film. The Raiders need someone that can just do do it all, um, and he can do it. He reminds me of a little bit of uh, Jamal Adams. He can play safety as well as linebacker. There's hybrid types of players. Last year we had Isaiah Simmons. You have Ewan Jones, for example, at the Falcons. The NFL tends to sort of value these kind of players, and when you're playing in a division with Travis Kelsey, uh, let's see if Hunter Henry does decide to stay at the Chargers or not. Um, and Noah fan at, at the Broncos, you need someone with that speed and quickness and uh, that ability to, to make plays. Um, and I think Jeremiah Suqaramo is is that guy for the Raiders' defense. Uh, they need more than him on their defense because, like I said, they're shocking. Um, but he is one piece that um, that, that could suit, um, and it means Mayock will not be uh, sort of drafting players that really are he's his record so far he's, he's drafting players in the first round that are consensus third fourth rounders uh you look at someone like damon Arnette, who's never been in the first round but um this is a guy right place in the draft right pick and, and should help their defense um and then it also swings back to me again pick 18 um again weapons 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 for tour at the dolphins um and someone who's who he's very familiar with um best running back on the board, uh, Najee Harris. Now, the, the, the one the one concern is, right, he's is, is, is picking a running back in in the first round. Is it value pick? Well, when you've got a running back that can do it all in terms of is, is an aggressive runner, He's the stats back it up at college. He comes from a programme whereby they continually churn great running backs in terms of Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, uh, well, not great, but Kenyon Drake, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. They, they know how to produce a good running back. He's familiar with Tua. He, there was a, a comment last week where he did a, a quick one-minute interview, whereby he was talking about the Senior Bowl and he, and he said, all oh, the, Dol- the Dolphins' offense. Who he was? He was part of the Dolphins' roster in the Senior Bowl. He um, it was familiar with what he was doing at Alabama under uh, Steve Sarkisian's offense. So, perfect fit. Just he knows Tua." He you knows a scheme and, um, and yeah, they need a running back because uh, Gaskin and Ahmed aren't, aren't, aren't the answer. They're complementary, but they're
1: not the lead back. I mean, obviously, I, I'm sure all Dolphins fans who will be listening to this and obviously the two that we've got amongst us, including yourself, obviously, I'll be loving the amount of offensive weapons that you're kind of picking up. Where's the offensive line help coming from? I know we've not got free agency out of the way yet. Do you think the Dolphins will attack it in free agency or do you feel like the Dolphins have got what they need in, in the offensive line? Uh, Offensive or defensive line? Offensive line, sorry. So
3: they they drafted, obviously, two young guys last year in Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson. And I I think that this this was their year one without without an off-season. They're going to develop, and um, especially Robert Hunt really showed signs of progress. Austin Jackson, the jury's out. But that extra year, um, having a full off-season, I think will benefit them. Um, I do see... uh, the Dolphins looking at one offensive lineman in free agency, whether that be a centre in terms of Corey Lindsley or someone like Joe Tooney, who can play guard. Um, that I think he would be, either of those two players will be great experience on that line. Um, and the, the offensive tackle depth in this, in this year's class, it, you can get some really good players in, in the second, third round, someone like a Walker Little, for example, um, there is some depth in this class. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, give Jackson, give Hunt time to develop and um, let's see what they're like in year two. Cool. So um, now I pass it over to Kieran who has the Washington football team.
5: Yeah, I'm going to make a slightly different pick than the very controversial pick I made on the Draft Punks episode. Uh, Washington football team. I have been saying for so long, they are just a quarterback away from potentially being a Super Bowl winning team. Don't slate me for that. It is true. Uh, But I'm adding Rondale Moore, another Big Ten wide receiver to go alongside the absolutely scary Terry McLaurin. Um, They just need some scary Terry's their only receiver right now. So he's picking up pretty much all the attention, and Rondale Moore's a guy who can divert that attention. He's quick. He's great over the middle. He can attach the catch point very, very aggressively. Uh, And I just think if you're going to run the offense they're running, McLaurin is really their only viable weapon this season. I think Heineken's going to come in and throw a few touchdown passes to Rondale Moore this season. He's a guy who's going to divert a lot of attention, who's going to open... Look, like I said, when I did the draft punks pod, this is mainly taking attention away from Terry more than it is giving everything to Rondell. This is just the pick that makes sense. They need when when you only have one receiver, but it's a receiver as good as Terry McLaurin. If you get another guy who's, you know, maybe not as good as Terry McLaurin, but he's, he's up there in terms of talent, it's going to take a lot of attention away from Terry McLaurin, which is just going to get him open more and more and if if they do decide to roll forward with like Heineke or Allen those guys aren't terrible quarterbacks we've seen they can play very well Heineke threw for 306 yards against the team that held you know Patrick Mahomes to no touchdowns Uh, so yeah this is this is my pick more of a diversion from me Uh, but now we're going to pass it over to Andy with the New York Jets
0: yeah, you've um, obviously preluded the, the trade that we were going to do here, which was um, uh, Chicago sending the 20th overall pick and a fourth rounder for Sam Darnold, who um, feels like the Bears' sort of last chance, last chance to be reckoned, like an established uh, like NFL quarterback who is, isn't a rookie and, and gives uh, Khalil Mackenko a chance to win now. I think that's a, uh, I think that's about it. fair. I think it could be a slight overpay, and if Donald does go, it might be uh, for less than that, or or they'd add something else in return, which um, would sweeten the deal to send the first back uh, to the Jets. So yeah, that that means the Jets have got three first round picks, um, and after taking uh, Makai Becton last year, they're going to add Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, to shore up that offensive line for Zach Wilson, so yeah, just um, just giving the, the the rookie quarterback a lot as much protection as possible. Leeds already talked about the versatility of Vera Tucker. He slots in nicely at left guard. Um, you know, should be it should be a nice safe pick, and uh, I really like him. He's been my guy all year. Uh, and earlier than that as well. I think he's just a very, very solid player who's just going to perform at a consistently high level in the NFL. So yeah, I think that's uh, all we need to say. Uh, Rob, your Colts on the clock.
2: Yeah, they are indeed. Um, And for me, this other than Trevor Lawrence going first overall up until now, all of these picks, they could go to to, to, two or three different ways. I mean, even at number two, you know, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. Now, for me, this is a nailed-on another nailed-on pick for the Colts. It's Christian Darrasor, offensive tackle from the uh, from Virginia Tech, the Hokies. Uh, reason being is that there are, there's a few needs in Indy. We need a wide receiver, um, we need a cornerback, we could do with an edge presence, but we lost uh, Anthony Costanzo this year. He's retired, and. What the Colts have done since the since the demise of Andrew Luck, we've prided ourselves on, on building that offensive line. We didn't want it to happen to whoever we got in to replace Luck again. And we, we've done that. We've got one of the best offensive lines in, in the league. Definitely top three. Um, losing Costanzo is a big loss. He's our left tackle. He's obviously our blindside protector. Um, and I think it's imperative that we we nip that in the bud straight away and replace him. Uh, I think there's a good amount of top talent at tackle in this draft, especially in the first round. And I think Darasol is right up there with the likes of uh, Slater. Um, and, and I mean, not quite. I think Sue Wells on a different level, but this is, you know... Christian Daris was a great pick for me here, um, and I think it's now done. I think this is exactly where Indy go in the first round. I think it's wise. This is the sort of pick that Ballard makes. It's clever. It's, OK, we've, we've, we've lost Costanza. Let's replace him straight away. We know that the second round is probably going to be filled with some good cornerback, ta- uh, cornerback talent. Um, you know, we might think about making a move in the second round uh eyes peeled for for later on in this podcast um and you know there's 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 the needs that can be fixed wide receiver this is the deepest wide receiver class for many years this is the, i think personally after scouting a lot of wide receivers this is probably the best class since 2014 so we're gonna find wide receivers deeper in this in this draft so let's get the the in and out left tackle christian Darasor nail it on uh, he is the Indianapolis Colts first round pick. And with that, I will hand over to our divisional rivals in Tennessee and Liam.
4: Yeah, Tennessee Titans coming on the clock um, during our uh, scouting episodes. I've been uh, often tasked with discussing uh, Georgia Bulldogs defensemen and uh, I hope that uh, coach smart is listening again because uh i'm sat here on the clock and i'm taking another georgia bulldog defender i'm picking them up once again as i'm taking the edge guy aziz ogilari to fit onto the tennessee Titans defensive line um fits the uh the scheme really really well one of the big reasons that uh he was the the man for me i think for tennessee and uh I think uh, it could be tried uh, outside. Um, Tennessee likes to play three across the, the line often. Um, it fits his skill set, I think, to to come in. There's um, certainly some gaps, of, uh, again, through um, free agency. I think that uh, they'll target this position. And uh, I think there's a real, real chance that Ojolari uh, goes around this kind of time in the draft. Um, so, yeah, the Titans will rush that pick in. And uh, yeah, well, I think we're going to hand it now back to uh, the Andy and the Jets who have their third first-round pick. And oh, sorry, go Lee, go on. Go <laughs> on.
1: Just want to make it as a quick quick point. I think you're right in the terms of the the range that he might go in, and I, I like the fit myself. Maybe a concern that I've got myself with with this pick, and I just want to kind of pick your brains on it a little bit. We know that I'm a big Ozilary fan. I'm not going to all pretend I'm not. Do you think that? It's a bit of a concern that you've got Harold Landry on the other side and neither of them are great against the run.
4: they not, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the I I did look at the uh the depth chart and uh I have to remind myself because I don't have it in front of me, but I think that rotationally some of the guys especially that can play more insides, I think that it, it did kind of fit together. And with the uh the line their linebacking situation as well, again, um don't have the depth chart in front of me, but uh, it, it kind of fit fitted together really well. And I think that they do need a bit more pass rush, and I All think right. that they can get it with Ojulari. I understand against the run, especially if they want to kind of set themselves in a more three-four formation more often than it is going to be something to think about. But um, I think pass rush is a is a need for for Tennessee. I think that that was definitely the primary thinking behind it.
0: Right, Mark. Come on with the Jets, and yeah, third, uh, uh, third pick of the first round. And having added the new quarterback, having added, added some more offensive line protection for the new quarterback, they're now going to give him another, uh, another weapon, and that's Rashad Bateman um, out of Minnesota, who is my wide receiver four, but creeping up slowly on uh, Jalen Waddler's wide receiver three. I think Bateman's got a bit of everything. He's a mainly a possession guy, really safe hands. Um, kind of good route right runner uh, finds zone space really well on the outside on the inside but also stretches the field on the outside so yeah I, I'm a big fan I, I think he could easily go uh, earlier than this in, in the teens and I think he's going to be um, a really solid um, wide receiver one going forward as well he kind of complements Denzel Mims who's like the out and out out uh, outside receiver and Jameson Crowder who's the, the slot guy as well and I, and I think really the Jets have got a sneaky good wide receiver core straight off the bat here for Zach Wilson if this is the case and and yeah um, he should get a lot of targets a lot of room to grow with Wilson and, and yeah like I think a really interesting pick and really interesting prospect as well and uh, I will keep myself on the clock with uh the Steelers if no one else has got any comments there doesn't look like it no all good so um with Big Ben looking fairly uh like bad down the stretch for the Steelers at the end there, after such a promising start to the year um we're going to pick the fourth best quarterback in the draft and it's definitely not Kyle Trask so back in your box Kieran um it is Trey Lance uh out of um North Dakota State, uh, who is probably something that I reckon Mike Tomlin would be very excited to get his hands on, uh, dual threat sort of guy. Obviously, not the, the completely opposite to to, to um, Big Ben, and thus I think would kind of give a new dimension to that Steelers offense. so they've got a couple of field stretchers and and a couple of um, nice underneath guys as well. So um, you know, lots of targets already sat there for a quarterback that's going to need some, um, some room to grow and he's obviously going to sit behind Big Ben for, for at least the start of the season and, and, and maybe the whole season if Big Ben can keep going. Um, there's an obvious need at running back here and I almost went with Travis Etienne um, for one last dash for, uh, for for Big Ben and Co. But I just think Lance is just such good value at this point in the draft. I think he's got all the kind of uh, raw attributes that uh, NFL teams will want in a quarterback um, and so it just made perfect sense.
5: Yeah, I think it would be a good fit for Trey Lance because he'll once again, for however long he is in Pittsburgh, will be thrown to FCS receivers again, so it would be quite a nice fit for him.
0: At least he'll be thrown for long enough to stay in the league and like uh, Kyle Trask anyway. (laughs) Uh, And with that, I will hand over to Rob and uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars.
2: Yeah, let's get enough of this to Kyle Trask bashing. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) On the clock with the Jags. uh, And I'm taking who I believe is the best player available here. Greg Russo, edge rusher from Miami. A lot of people have got him slated as a top 10 pick. I've got him as a top 15 pick. And here he was at 25. Uh, For me, he arguably is the best edge in the class. I I think for me, he is uh, out of Miami. Uh, Had one. Uh, unbelievable season 2019 obviously was a 2020 opt-out and is also uh terrible on cameo but we won't uh, maybe edit that one out um yeah he's he's, he's available play the clip
0: play the, <laughs> the clip yo how's it going bro uh just wanted to give us just wanted to give a shout out to the full 10 yards draft guy 2021 hope you'll have a great day
2: there you have it, sports fans. You heard it, you heard it here first. It's terrible on cameo. Anyway, um that is a good shout out, by the way, for the uh, uh for the draft guy, but not quite what we asked for. Anyway, yeah, so Greg Russo, uh he had a like I said, he had a great 2019 season. Um, that's enough to put him in the first round. Uh Jacksonville got holes everywhere. Picking an edge here will put them kind of a step in the right direction of of clawing back that 2017 defense that we saw. Um, obviously that was quite legendary back then and that they are getting a bit better on defense i think this is, a, is another nice piece for them uh, off the edge so yeah greg Russo at 25 and i'll uh, hand over to kieran with the cleveland browns
5: yes uh and what i think is essentially the biggest need for the cleveland browns right now agree or disagree this is a probably a tiny bit controversial but i've gone with nick bolton linebacker out of mizzou now say what you want about Wilson and co they've got some good linebackers in Cleveland, but I think miss you know, Losing Joe Shobert kind of hurt him. Say what you want about him. He is a very, very good linebacker. Uh, and I think Nick Bolton can kind of fill that need. He is kind of versatile. He can drop in coverage if needs be. And while his hand skills aren't great, that's something that you can very easily develop once you get to the pros. Now, he's not coming out of the greatest school on earth. Mizzou is probably the worst team in the SEC, not called Vanderbilt. So there there is concerns about, about maybe uh, how... How high his coaching is, but I think the Cleveland Browns is probably the best linebacker available at this point. We've we've seen some absolute studs like Awusu Koromora and and Parsons go uh, already, so I think Nick Bolton is literally the best available for them at this point. Uh, but with that, I'll hand it back to Rob.
2: Yeah, I've got the uh, the Baltimore Ravens, Baltimore Ravens. Sorry. Um, <laughs> And I've gone for, for Wyatt Davis uh, inside uh, offensive lineman, plays at guard. Uh, listen, there was a reason why Justin Fields was so good in college, and that's because players like Wyatt Davis, who led that line in Ohio State, was, was, was so damn good. And this is just the kind of guy that Lamar Jackson needs on his line. Uh, the line in, in Baltimore is not horrendous. Uh, it's not. Great, uh, especially at guard. I think um, Matt Skuur is a is, is is slated to be a, a free agent. Um, uh, Bradley Bozeman's all right. Ben Powers is all right uh, you know, on the line. They're not nothing flashy. White Davis is flashy, and I think with a team that runs the ball as much as they do, and obviously is. Lamar Jackson is so key for them. Um, Adding a piece like White Davis is going to do them the world of good. So um, that's a pick that makes sense for me. I know there's other needs. Um, I think edge rush is probably a need there, but yeah for me it was white davis was the best player available in a position of potential need so i think that that doesn't then the world of good um to to give a little bit of extra protection for their run game um including their, their their running back who plays quarterback so let's hand over to andy who is with the new orleans saints
0: yeah thanks mate um i have gone for patrick jones out of pit here the edge rusher um the Saints obviously going to have to slash a hell of a lot of cap room here to to just get underneath the kappa, let alone field a competitive team uh, next year. And um, I, I, to be honest, I did have Mac Jones in the conversation. But let's just not lie. They're going to roll with uh, James Winston, who has to get away into every podcast that we do. So there you go. Uh, what a player! What a man! There we go. That's it. Here, and you lick those fingers. Um, I-, I think the um, well, they are losing Trey Hendricks and the Saints, and I don't think they can afford to even consider bringing him back. Uh, so for me, uh, with Marcus Davenport there as well, um, I think that those two. Patrick Jones and uh, Davenport and uh, Cam, uh, Cam Jordan and stuff can, can also just, just make a really solid Edrus group there. I think, you know, put some pressure on Brady uh, and Co next season and, and try and ride out this roster to, to another playoff appearance if possible. Um, it's obviously going to be a real tricky job for them, but we all know that um, there's a million ways that you can manipulate the cap. So maybe they'll do it and put one last um, uh, sort of... Playoff run together before they have to kind of burn everything and start again. So, yeah, Patrick Jones is the best player uh, available at edge for me there. And that makes perfect sense as well. Uh, Lee, it's back to you.
1: It is after a bit of a break, actually. Quite a a long time off the clock here. But, yeah, back on the clock at 29 with the Green Bay Packers. And it's another offensive lineman for me. It makes three out of the five picks um, that I've made. And obviously a couple of receivers as well in the first round. I'm picking Taven Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. Taven Jenkins is a mauler, he's a road grader, he's a people mover, but also because he's played in Oklahoma State's area of offense, he's got a few pass blocking reps in there as well. So he's got a bit of a nice education behind him in terms of the team that he's played for and also got the physical skill set to, like I say, people move and, uh, and, and make a way for whoever's playing running back for the Green Bay Packers next year. He's not a great pass blocker, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but having the best left tackle in football over the other side, you know, and in the room with him might not be too bad in terms of another bit of education once he gets to the NFL. I feel like he can start right away at right tackle. They could even kick him inside to guard, I think, if they wanted to. But I think right tackle, where he'll stick, they need to also get another right guard. So again, kind of goes back to that versatility that I've been talking about. And, and Rob was talking about earlier really on with the Giants as well. Um, having that positional flexibility going into your next pick, whether they, you know, on an attack line in free agency or not will remain to be seen but they recently released Rick Wagner uh, who did play right tackle for them and like I say I think he's going to take their spot or take his spot should I say? I think he'll be valuable in the run game Matt LaFleur maybe wants to take a bit of responsibility away from Aaron Rodgers on his arm put more emphasis on that run game and make it a bit more San Franciscan in the way that it operated you know being heavy run dosage and uh, I think Jenkins is perfect for that I think he could like I say he can help move people out of the way and if Aaron Jones is coming back I think he'll be best friend to not only Aaron Rodgers but also Aaron Jones as well um, so yeah it makes perfect sense to me a bit of a left field pick and a lot of people think they'll go corner or receiver or things like that but I think a sensible pick at tackle or on the offensive line at least would be, would be good um, and with that I'll hand over up to Buffalo with Kieran
5: Yes my one of my favourite teams in the league right now which is controversial coming from a Patriots fan and a cornerback who, if he was six foot one, would probably be looked at in the same regard as guys like Patrick Sertain and Caleb Farley, And that is Elijah Molden, the five foot 11 man mountain out of Washington. This guy is without a doubt, the most intelligent cornerback I have ever seen play football. And this is the weapon that the bills are missing. Like, like I said, they played defense perfectly against the chiefs in this AFC championship game. They just didn't have the personnel and the personnel they had didn't have the smarts to, uh, to maybe run their assignments correctly and, and be as quick on the change as some of the guys at the box were. So yeah, Elijah Molden, he is, mentally the most impressive cornerback in this entire draft without a shadow of a doubt he is extremely intelligent he never leaves his eyes in the backfield he is great at reading the quarterback's eyes he picks up roots faster than anyone else i've seen and his pattern matching is just as good as caleb farley's or jc horns but he's five foot eleven so he gets a little bit overlooked i know that's not as important at the cornerback position but the dude's incredibly athletic, can still attack the catch point and loves to tackle. And What do I always say? You have to be a good tackler to be an elite cornerback. Uh, And that's what you're getting out of Elijah Molden. Possibly the best corner in the draft, in my opinion, in terms of the the gifts he brings to the table. Uh, And with a little bit of coaching and surrounding himself, I think he's already smarter than some of the cornerbacks they've got there. Not discounting Trey White, who... You know, arguably one of the best defensive players in the league last year. Shout out to DBU. Um, Yeah, pairing with Trey White and you've got an elite cornerback tandem who are going to be able to shut down a lot of quarterbacks this season. It's going to be dangerous for the AFC East. And, you know, Kyle Trask, if he comes to New England, is going to be in trouble. Tua's going to be in trouble. Whoever's at the Jets trash can organization is going to be in trouble going up against Trey White and Elijah Molden this season. But enough bashing of other teams with that. We will pass it over to Rob and the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: Yeah, you're not really liking the uh, Patriots shout this year, mate. Oh, yeah, because uh, I listened to our last podcast and you were really bumming up the Bills and the Dolphins. And, yeah, we'll soon get you on board with the Jets. Anyway. I uh,
5: recognise I... greatness, my friend.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's debatable. Uh, let's go on to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Um, I've picked up Creed Humphrey here. The I think the best center, I think the, we'll all agree is probably the best center in this uh, draft. Uh, left-handed, I do believe, which is a bit odd, but has never affected him in college. Um, the Chiefs are losing App State legend Dan Kilgore, who's their backup center. Uh, Austin Writer, their starting center, is also slated to be a free agent this year. So there could be a hole at center. Um, look, the Kansas City Chiefs haven't got many needs because they've been to the Super Bowl for the last two years. So so you're, you are kind of picking holes a little bit. Um, Creed Humphrey is a good player. Like I said, he's the best centre in this class. And uh, I think it's a very good pickup for, for Kansas City who get a, a great starting centre, who can also play at guard if needs be. Um, there's a lot of uh, good versatility with these offensive linemen in this first round. Creed Humphrey is another one. Um, yeah, great left, uh, left-handed left starting centre for, for the Chiefs. Um, I think he slides right in uh, into that team. Uh, On to Liam to finish off the first round with the Super Bowl champs, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
4: The reigning Super Bowl champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, pick 32. Um, Yeah, this is an interesting one. They got uh, some interesting gaps uh, in their team. I think at this stage, uh, the one that is consistently brought up uh, for their first round pick is uh, the defensive line. Interesting to see who they're going to bring back uh, along the whole uh, front seven of the defence. But um, I think D-line depth is going to be um, something they're going to address early, given the uh, defensive uh, tackle class here in the draft. And uh, the decision was uh, kind of uh, a choice between experience and, and youth. There's some youthful defensive tackles Uh, In this class, Christian Barmore is the the kind of primary one that comes to mind. But I've gone the other way with more experience and going to make Marvin Wilson out of Florida State a first rounder. I think that uh, he can uh, both move up and down that D-line and develop with uh, the talent that he's got around him. Um, I think that he's got... uh, winning mentality to go straight into a championship winning locker room. Um, I think that there's a lot, uh, lot to like with him still. I think uh, over the last few months, he's been a bit of a forgotten prospect, but I think the senior bowl showed what he can do. Um, no problems taking him in the first round. Um, and that's how the Buccaneers will conclude the first round. So uh, and don't know if anyone's got any thoughts on the pick or the first round in general, in which case we'll start round two. And we're going to uh, hand over to Robin, the Jacksonville Jaguars.
2: Yeah, Jags back on the clock to start off the second round, and I'm just I'm literally now looking at the depth chart at Jacksonville to see why I selected uh, my next player here, and I I'm quite scared of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they've got a lot better. Uh, obviously, CJ Anderson last year in, in in the first round, and their defense looks pretty good with Joe Shover, M- Miles Miles Jack, Josh Allen. Um, I did touch on it when I took Gregory So in the first round with them as well. Their defense is definitely getting better and a more complete team. It's the offense now which is going to struggle. They haven't got many options. The offensive line isn't bad, by the way. And if they've got Trevor Lawrence now throwing the ball, then he either needs someone better to throw to or someone to utilize more. I did touch on this the other the last week, our podcast about perfect fits. I did suggest this then, and I'm going to stick with it. And I'm going to say that Travis Etienne, the Clemson running back will go to the Jacksonville Jaguars with this pick and give Trevor Lawrence his best mate and a fantastic weapon out the backfield. Yes. They've got James Robinson. There's plenty of room for two headed monsters in the NFL. We see it with teams all over the league. So Travis Etienne going at pick 33 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if there's no further question, your Honour, I'll go to 34 with the Jets.
0: Yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, we'll speed up a bit now for the second round as well. Um, so I'm going to go Christian Barmore, uh, defensive tackle out of Alabama, had a really good, strong uh, end of the season, gives that kind of Jets defensive line a bit of absolute power alongside Quinn and Williams. And yeah, and just a, just a very solid pick to go against the kind of, um, the, the, the threat of the Josh Allen run and the kind of, uh, Flaky Pats uh, uh, and Dolphins' offensive lines at the moment. So, yeah, I think a, a nice bit of a game record there for the Jets. Um, Lee, back to you with the Falcons.
1: Yeah, so outside of Vic Beasley's freak season in 2015 when he had 15 and a half sacks, when was the last time Atlanta had a good pass rusher? for like John Abraham in like 2010 or something like that, John Abraham. So I'm taking Jalen Phillips at number 35. Um, I feel like it's a bit of a steal talent wise. I know he's got his concerns around the you know retirement and, med- you know, concussions and medicals and things like that. But at the start of the second round, I don't think he can complain too much. I think the front contains Jay- Grady Jarrett and obviously Dante Fowler. If they all kick off and if they all like click together, along with Jalen Phillips, I think that's a scary thought. So, uh yeah, it's kind of a bit of a bargain pick, kind of maybe a bit of a best player available pick at this point as well, in some senses. And uh, yeah, that kind of rounds me off for the Falcons and I'll hand over to Raj back on the clock with his Dolphins.
3: So this mock draft was done before the breaking news today of Carl van Noy being released. So um, obviously didn't see the foresight, um, but uh, it's the first defensive pick for the Dolphins in this draft. It's Zabin Collins from Tulsa, linebacker, coming out, coming out of college and watching the tape this year a lot of draft analysts are saying would be perfect in a New England scheme and obviously with Brian Flores at the helm, it would be perfect to replace Carvan van Noy. 6'4", 270-odd pounds, can do it all. Uh, he can, he can, he's great against the run. He's dynamic in terms of coverage. He, 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 can, he can do it all. He, he, his tackling's brilliant. Um, obviously, with the, with the big gap with Carvan van Noy leaving, it's a perfect, perfect replacement for him. Um, going on to Lee...
1: Um, and with his next pick. Yeah, so I'm back on the clock again quite quickly with the Philadelphia Eagles with the 37th overall pick. They're going to take Pat Frymouth out of Penn State. I mentioned Nick Sariani before and Shane Syken, obviously coming out of the Colts and Chargers respectively over the past season. Two offences that like to utilise tight ends quite a lot. So we know that Ertz is on the way out of town probably, in a trade, um, just costing way too much money for them to keep. They've got Dallas Goddard, so it kind of keeps them above water uh, with that two tight end set that they like to run. And I'm sure, like I say, Sariani will try and keep that in the building, in the offence. And really, when you look at then the offensive sort of pass catchers for the Eagles, Rager, Jonathan Smith now, who have got Dallas Goddard, Fryermuth, not too bad. Guards against alston Jeffries inevitable absence at some point in the season as well. And you've also got Miles Adams in the backfield. So, yeah, not looking too shabby for the Eagles, considering they're in a bit of a rebuild. Um, so I'll take it over to Liam uh, with the Bengals at number
4: 38. Yeah, back on the uh, clock with the Cincinnati Bengals. And um, we're going to go defence. And um, I'm writing University of Georgia onto the uh, card again. We're going to go into the secondary. And uh, we're going to take Eric Stokes, the uh, cornerback from uh, Georgia. Um, I said, we're yeah, we're going defence. So I was really tempted to go O-line here. Um, after the uh, pick at number five overall Um, but uh, again uh, looked over um, depth charts and looked over uh, free agency Um, I think that there's a a little bit of a need here and I think Eric Stokes is the best cornerback uh, available at the moment Um, also in terms of uh, the Bengals O-line issue the O-line I think is deeper at this point of the draft that they can um, pick up or think about the O-line later um Eric Stokes can fit in if they want him to play out wide I think he's capable of going into the slot as well I know uh, at their safety position there's all there's a chance that one or two leave as well um so yeah Eric Stokes at uh, 30 out overall uh for the Bengals and uh, I believe now we're we're back to Raj with the Dolphins
3: it's so another Dolphins pick, and I know uh sort of Andy's salivating at the number of offensive weapons that are currently on the Dolphins roster, but let's add another one. Um, Amon Ra St. Brown from uh, USC. Uh the only missing piece in that Dolphins offense currently is the slot receiver, where there's Lim Bowden who did he did well in his rookie season. Jakeem Grant, who's not the answer because his hands are like jelly. So um get someone in like Amon Ra St. Brown to play in the slot. Yeah, the Dolphins haven't had a decent slot receiver since Jarvis Landry. Um, he, he, he fits the mould of what, what Tua would need in terms of another weapon. Um, like I've said earlier, if Tua doesn't get it done with all these weapons, then the jury can be out after his second season. But um, it's, all, it's all primed for him to take the leap in year two. And how do you beat the Bills? That's what you have to think of now because um, – it was all, all the time that how do you beat the Patriots, but how do you beat the Bills? Obviously, defensively the Dolphins can't stop them. So you might have to go pound for pound and and, and have a, a shootout. So um add those add those offensive picks and uh Amon Brown in the slot fits the bill. Um, and then next up is Rob um, with his pick.
2: Yeah, hold the draft. There's been a trade. Uh the Indianapolis Colts send the twenty twenty. 2022 third round uh, the fifth round from this year 149th overall and the seventh from this year, 213 so as a third, a fifth, and a seventh to move up uh, to take this pick off the Denver Broncos. Uh, and a simple reason, really, I've, I've been banging on the door uh, of the Dolphins and the Bengals and the Eagles. If you boys remember correctly, I was uh, I was hammering this, but I really wanted um, to pick who I thought was uh, a bit of a tier jump for me, uh, the last guy in this tier, and that's uh, Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State cornerback. Um, yeah, like I said, this for me, there's a, there's a bit of a teardrop after this. There's one other corner quarterback who I really like who goes a little bit later. Uh, so I, Might have been able to wait another couple of picks, but I wanted a Sante Samuel. I like what I see on tape. I think he fits in well at Indy. We need a cornerback. And like I said, uh, I alluded to it in the first round. If we could just jump up here, Uh, I've managed to keep my further second as well, uh, which I think is handy. Obviously, I'm gambling away our third round pick for next year. And we're either not going to have a first or a second because of the Carson Wentz deal. So um, that is a bit of a gamble, considering we might only have one pick in the top 100 next year. I'm willing to take it because I think Asante Samuel fixes a lot of holes in our defence. Um, so, yeah, that was the pick. I'll hand you over uh, to Datois with Andy.
0: Yep. Cheers, mate. Good pick on Samuel. Uh, great player. Um, I have decided to pick someone whose name I can't say, so I'm going to butcher it for you all. Uh, Trayvon Morig. Is that right? Yeah, some good nods, we like that Um, the safety out of uh, TCU and we will uh, return to TCU fairly soon I think Um, I basically just think that that, like I said earlier, the Detroit secondary needs rebuilding Um, I think this is another way to do that and really by getting these two uh, by getting the cornerback and the safety position uh, addressed uh, this year that kind of gives a year to see what we can do with uh, Jared Goff and, uh, and, and if they can keep Kenny Galladay on the um, franchise tag then yeah it gives a, a chance to go all offense next season a bit like the Dolphins model last year where they went all uh, all offensive line and, and defense uh, and then um, have t- will hopefully turn to offense this year so yeah I think that kind of mold fits Detroit as well. Rob, Giants.
2: Oh, caught me off guard. I forgot I was picking it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the New York giants after selecting a uh, versatile guard, uh, Alex Edward in the first round, uh, will come back here and get some more weapons for Danny dimes. Uh, he needs help out wide. There's not a lot of talent in the receiving core in New York since OBJ left and Sterling Shepherd kind of fell off a cliff a little bit. So uh, Tillon Wallace, uh, Tylan Wallace, Tylan Tylan, Tylan Wallace from uh, Oklahoma state, uh, uh, really, really eye-catching wide receiver. Um, I think he's going to fit in nicely at the New York Giants. I think he's a good fit here. So, yeah, Tylen Wallace, uh, wide receiver uh, to New York Giants. Uh, and to Lee, with that blockbuster trade, uh, is back with the Houston Texans.
1: Yeah, back on the clock after the, you know, you say the aforementioned trade in the first round. I'm going to go for another defensive pick here. I'm going to keep a guy in state. I'm going to go to Texas and pick Joseph Asai, another defensive front seven guy, to kind of continue this rebuild that I was talking about earlier on. More positional flexibility to kind of, you know, be able to move him around later down the line if they need to. If they need to take a you know defensive end, or if you need to take an outside linebacker, you can kind of um, move Joseph Asai around. It depend on how the rebuild goes over the next few years. I think he'll play that Jack linebacker role, so kind of that Tweener role, designated pass rusher role in some senses. Uh, but also be able to drop back into coverage like you did at Texas. And kind of, again, just builds out that front of seven, you know, alongside those guys that I was mentioning before, is that kind of framework for the defensive side of the ball. Still searching for that JJ Watt replacement, but I feel like that'll have to wait with the way that the defensive line class is kind of shaking out until next year. So, with that, I'm going to kind of retire the Texans for a moment and stay in the state. We'll hand over to Dallas and Andy at number 44.
0: Yeah, it seems like a couple of years ago that we were talking about uh, the Cowboys as the kind of um, offensive line that everyone else wanted. Well, I think that's fallen off a cliff slightly um, with the. I think we've, have we got a couple of retirements, uh, or yeah, uh, this year I think as well. So uh, Dylan Redun's the North Dakota State uh, second player to be drafted uh, in our mock draft. Um, Six foot five, 304 pounds with a huge wingspan as well. Um, I think he's kind of one that's a bit of uh, i I'll start again. I think he's a bit of a developmental uh, prospect. And as such, you know, got a little bit of time to bed in uh, along some of the more veteran starters they've got there, the ones that are still left. So, yeah... um, you know, he had a bit of a shaky uh, appearance at the senior bolt on day one, but then he kind of you know, drastically stepped it up throughout the week. So, yeah, I, th- I think the teams will be excited about him. I think a lot of people would have had him slated as a first round pick at the start of the year. So this could uh, could you know produce a bit of value for, for Dallas here. Um, it is Rob. Back to you, mate. The Jags.
2: Yeah, the Jags' fourth pick. They're going to be busy in the first couple of days of the draft. Uh, When I sat there at 33 and took Travis Etienne, I was really hoping... Uh, that Pat Fry move was going to make it back to this pick at 45, but obviously Lee nipped in there at 37 with the Eagles. Uh, So I've gone for the, I think the consensus next best tight end on the board. Um, Personally, I really like Hunter Long out of Boston college, but I think you have to go with the flow. uh, And I think Brevin Jordan will be the next tight end off the board. Um, He's a really good pass catcher. Um, It's a little bit raw, needs a bit of polishing, um, but you know the the jags need some some better options they've got no next to no tight ends um uh, who's who's the tight end at Jacksonville this year I can't remember it was at Bengal's Efur thank you Tyler Efur um you know he's getting old he's had loads of injuries he's not a weapon anymore uh, they need to replace him uh Brevin Jordan is that guy um like I said I, I think he's good I personally would, would question whether he's going this early, but I think the Jags need a tight end. And I think the consensus will say, and reading the boards as well, reading the message boards on, on the internet, looking at Google, uh, Brevin Jordan is loved by the, But Jacksonville fans, they really want to see him there. So that's the pick, Brevin Jordan, tight end uh, out of Miami, staying in state at Florida. Uh, uh, Staying in Florida. (laughs) It's been a long day Uh, going to Jacksonville. I'll hand you over to Kieran after butchering that.
5: Sorry, mate. I just laugh at his name because it sounds like Breville. Makes me want a sandwich. Um, But with the Patriots, uh, first second round. Only second round pick. Um, I'll take Rodarius Williams, cornerback out of Oklahoma State. Uh, obviously, Stefan Gilmore kind of didn't show up this year, whether that's because people weren't targeting him uh, or things like that. JC Jackson's now cornerback number one, biggest Pro Bowl snub in probably the entire history of the NFL. Uh, and I think with us trying to look to get some trade value for Stefan Gilmore, it makes sense to bring in a guy like Rodarius Williams who we can. He's, he's not Stefan Gilmore level, but potentially be the cornerback too for the next uh, couple of years and maybe develop him a little bit more. But not much to say about this pick. And with that, I'll pass it over to Lee with the Chargers.
1: Thank you, mate. Yeah. So back on the clock with the Chargers and my plan to double down on the offensive line has just about come off. Um, I wanted Dylan do the but Andy obviously took him for the Cowboys a little bit earlier. Um, so I've gone with Samuel Cosme out of Texas. So back-to-back Texas picks for me, something pretty rare. Um, but I think that will be quite good next year, actually, with uh, Cesar Sarkisian and Pete Kwiatkowski. Um, but yeah, Cosme, let's get on to him. So long, lean tackle, great foot speed, great length, helps me, I'll say, slightly smooth inside and keeps me a really, really athletic left side of the line which I feel like will really help Justin Herbert, not only because he's going to be decent pass blockers and mass foot grades, but also because we can kind of move the pocket and move the launch point as well. We know that Justin's great on the run and great kind of getting out in space and he'll be able to cause all sorts of problems on the move for the Chargers next year, hopefully. So, yeah, I I don't think Cosme is the finished product at all. I think he's got a lot to work on. He can probably fill out a little bit as well because he probably is a bit skinny, which is kind of weird for an offensive lineman. But, um, yeah, it gives me a lot of potential on that left side. And, uh, yeah, it should be a massive upgrade, as mentioned. Maybe attack someone, uh, mentioned Corey Lindsay earlier, or maybe attack Corey Lindsay or David Andrews in free agency and uh, really fill out like that, rest that offensive line and, uh, yeah, prosper, hopefully, next year. And with that, I'll hand over to Raj for a hat-trick of picks again. So take a deep breath, mate.
3: <laughs> yeah, just about to do that now. <laughs> yeah, so um, first of all is the Oakland, uh, Oakland Las Vegas Raiders, there. Um, again, they need defense. Uh, seeing who's the best player available in terms of uh, my board, and it's Richard Grant, safety. Um, they need turnovers, uh, so he, his college production showed that he's able to do that. Um, wherever where, the, the Raiders need, need as much defense as possible, um, he fits he fits the mold of what they need, um, and yeah. It's another great pick for, for the Raiders there. Um, and then moving on to the Cardinals. Cardinals, um, Kyler Kyle Murray has obviously D Hop and uh, Christian Kirk and, and, and Isabella, but let's give them another weapon with Larry Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald retiring. Uh, let's go to LSU for Terrace Marshall. Um, he gives them that red zone threat because they don't really have a decent tight end and there's not a decent tight end left on the board that I would take in round two so you would think six foot three 200 pounds um, proven that even without Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson this year um, he was able to perform um, with his production um, great pick for Kyler Murray uh, I can see them, them being an offensive juggernaut next year um, with uh, all, all their offensive weapons um, and then going again to the Dolphins uh, as we mentioned earlier offensive line does need to be looked at Um, and with Creed Humphrey the number one consensus center off the board let's go and grab the number two center which is Landon Dickerson obviously there is a a risk and some red flags there with regards to his injury history but you saw when he got injured um, at the the Alabama game he is a team first guy the players absolutely love him he's a captain Um, he would fit in in well with the culture down at Miami. Um, obviously, scheme fit because he, he knows, obviously, the, the Sark offense that I've talked about with Najee Harris, supposedly what the Dolphins are trying to do there. Um, Ted Karras is, is hitting free agency, so the Dolphins do need a center, um, and he fits the bill in terms of what they need. Um, and then we hand it over to Kieran, who has the Washington football team.
5: Yeah, this is maybe a little bit controversial since I had him as a sleeper. Second round might be a little bit early for a sleeper pick, but uh, taking Kellen Mond, QB out of Texas A&M, a guy who I think is, I mean, he's going to be a good game manager if he goes in straight away. But I think if you, if you let him sit and develop a bit, you've got a decent quarterback on your hands. He's got a fairly solid arm strength. He knows what he's doing out there. Once again, played in the SEC, which is the hardest league to play defense in in college football. So uh, I think with that little bit of experience and IQ jump on some other guys, he could definitely go in day one and compete for the job against guys like Taylor Heineken and Allen. So, yeah, just, just um, kind of kind of a, maybe a bit of a jump pick for the uh, Washington football team, but it's definitely a need that they need addressing. And now we're going to hand it over to the Chicago bears with Andy.
0: Yeah. I like that modern pick mate. That's uh, yeah, nice. I think he could rise quite quick, quite quickly. And we saw good senior ball, didn't we? Good, good game. That was, um, yeah, I'm going to go for the kind of Marmite wide receiver, uh, in this draft for the bears, give Sam Donaldson to throw to that's Kadarius Tony. Um, I think the, the the consensus amongst us is we're not a fan but feel like we we might be missing something because everyone else seems to absolutely love him um but we'll stick to our guns and say that we we think this is an overdraft um for me he's a bit of a, a wrecking ball as a as a receiver he's um he, he kind of sheds tackles with his physicality and um you know he's he's very solid and and uh, brings the ball into his body well and, and, and holds on. So yeah, I think the um, I think for me the lack of production in previous years and stuff is just a bit of a red flag for me. And uh, and uh, I do wonder if he's going to be good enough to do that at the uh, NFL level. But yeah, the Bears give um, give Donald something to throw to. Um, if Alan Robinson walks out the, the door, then it's going to be Tony and uh, and um, Darnell Mooney along with maybe Jimmy Graham. That's uh, <laughs> what what an absolute arsenal, um, Liam with the Titans
4: back on the clock here in, uh, in Tennessee um, for pick number 53, I was uh, eyeing up a tight end and I um, think that uh, Johnny Smith is probably on the way out in free agency uh, in Tennessee. Um, the way that the board has fallen made it a little bit more of an open pick and, uh, and then um guy kind of jumped out at me and uh, we're going to take uh Brandon browning the um, linebacker from ohio state at pick 53 um really really good linebacker um fits uh, again schematically fits um again answers uh a few uh to what lee what you were saying about uh about playing the run game you slot browning in and in the middle and he's he's quick to come down on his front foot against the run it really adds uh to that uh, gap that uh, you rightly pointed out that they need to, to fill. Can also um, play on the strong side. I think um, ceiling is sky high with, with Browning in 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 the uh, the whole linebacking group. And uh, I think a uh, defense like uh, Tennessee yeah, it works uh, really well with him. As I say, can play outside. A lot of the outside guys like Jalen Brown, Clowney that are going to be leaving. Um, he could fill that role as well. Um, uh, yeah, really like the fit. And uh, so uh, we'll pass on to the next pick, which is uh, to Rob with his Colts.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, I did say again, on, when I picked the first round pick that we needed corner and we needed a better, um, which obviously we've got with that Samuel pick, but we also needed... Uh, some depth at wide receiver, losing T.Y. Horton, of course. Um, Paris Campbell's always injured. We need another guy in there. So what I've done is I've drafted and a tip of the cap to Andy Moore for this one because I hadn't actually really seen this guy before uh, reading what he'd written in the scout report. And I, I, since then, I've sort of – I've been glued to him because he's so good to watch. And this is Im- Amir uh, Smith-Marset from I- Iowa. uh, f- uh he, Yeah, he does it all. He's a great receiver, Um, bit of a deep threat, bit of a root runner, Uh, can play on uh, end rounds as well, Um, likes a bit of a trick play. And I do see a little bit of T.Y. Hilton in him, which I like. Um, So, yeah, why not have a bit of a playmaker out wide, um, someone that could do it all, Uh, really good fit. I like the tape. Um, I've risen on him a lot uh, since Andy flagged him up. So uh, yeah, uh, thanks for that, Andy. Um, we yeah, we're going to draft a good wide receiver if we get uh, whoever gets Emir Smith Marset. Um, so yeah, let me flip this then over to to you, Andy, uh, and uh, your Pittsburgh, uh, your Pittsburgh, not your Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers on the clock.
0: Yeah, mate, love the Smith-Marset pick. I think, um, yeah, he's just such a fluid player. Um, just kind of all levels of the game. So, yeah, real real kind of riser for me. Um, I wonder if he'll get drafted this early in the real thing. But, um, you know, from the, the tape would justify that, I think. Um, and I mentioned in the first round the Steelers needed running back and Travis Etienne's, uh, Travis Etienne's gone. So I'm going to go for my uh, RB3, which is uh, Javante Williams. I think, you know, if he falls here... Steelers would be absolutely like rubbing their hands together. They managed to get their quarterback of the future and pick up a weapon to make a run of it this year with Williams as well. So yeah, give me all of that. And, um, and, you know, big Ben's probably going to be very happy as well because he's definitely an upgrade on James Connor. Um, Liam, your Seahawks have, have showed up finally.
4: <laughs> yeah. Somebody poke coach Carroll. <laughs> it's this time to make a pick. Um yeah there's a uh, thanks to uh, not having a third round uh, pick either this is a pretty important one I think for Seattle there's a few areas obviously uh, to address and uh, yeah we come in uh, on pick 56 and uh, we need to address the um the interior offensive line so uh, yeah we're going to uh, we're going to take trace smith the uh, offensive guard from tennessee um i think it's a pick that we may have been able to wait around on. Uh, like I say, though, no third round. Uh, I think that uh, it's it's time to uh, address the primary need as soon as we can. So I think we're doing that here. Um, I think he can he'll fit in on uh, Seattle's offensive line. Really like the fit. Um, if we're going to uh, run the ball uh, as much as uh, has been suggested, then uh, he'll help immensely. Um, he can improve in the, the past game, but I think he's got the guys either side to, to help with that. Um, so, yeah, uh, happy to be uh, taking Trey Smith um, for Seattle. Um, Seattle having to now uh, hand over to the second best team in the NFC West, because uh, I've got the uh, LA Rams uh, with pick 57, I believe their first pick uh, of this draft as well um i decided to uh that we're going to go cornerback here um given uh the uh the state of the team there. actually uh again there's not too many glaring gaps uh with free agency and and bits and uh pieces on offense or defense but um decided to go cornerback uh i think um in terms of the uh, the slot area for the Rams, guys like David Long, I think they're pretty uh, well set. I think at safety, there's depth with guys like Taylor Rapp, um, Burress as well. Um, so um, we're looking uh, on the outside and uh, take a bit more of a de- developmental guy and uh, take the redshirt sophomore, um, Kelvin Joseph, out of Kentucky, who's um, been a consistent riser for a very long time. And uh, there's kind of a group of cornerbacks at this stage of the draft, a good handful of them that could go anywhere between about into the fifties and the end of the third. And uh, really like the idea of, of Joseph coming into uh, the Rams and uh, developing there. Um, he's definitely more suited to the outside. And I think he, he can even kind of uh, sit behind the likes of Jalen Ramsey for a little bit. And uh, yeah, anyone that really likes a kind of a potential pick. Uh, I think this is a really, really nice fit. So we can now hand over. It's uh, going to be Rob on the clock again.
2: Yep, um, with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I'm going to hand over to my pronunciation guy, Lee Wakefield. Is it Roche or Roche or Roche? Roche is what I've heard most. Quincy Roche from the U Miami uh, edge rusher. Um, I'm surprised he got down this far to be honest. I think I've got a bit of a higher grade on him. Um, I don't know about the rest of the room. Uh, I think he's going to go fairly early in the second round. So I was surprised to see him and like, like I touched touch in the first round, um, we're taking the uh, offensive lineman for the, for the Ravens, White Davis. Um, I think they an edge rusher they could probably do with. And I think Quincy Roche, if he falls down here, it's a great steal for them. So, so yeah, at 50 at pick 58 for the Ravens. It's Quincy Roche. Uh, I'll hand over to their division arrivals, uh, the Browns with Kieran.
5: Yeah. Got the Browns taking a player from the good USC. That is the university of Southern California. Jay Tufel or two. I don't know. Sounds French. Don't like it. Um, but he's a very good player, a true third uh, free down lineman. He's got very violent and explosive hands. The, uh, the only problems I really have him are consistency. Sometimes he sets his pad level too high coming in, which can lead to him getting just, you know, absolutely stuffed. But he's an absolute beast. I don't think a single person actually kept him contained last year, which meant he drew a lot of double teams from other Pac-12 teams. But, yeah, he's an absolute animal, former rugby player, extremely violent, extremely disruptive and maybe a bit of a reach for the Browns, but definitely a need from them. And we'll pass it over now. Well, back to Andy with the New Orleans Saints.
0: Yeah, we'll give um, James to his Chris Godwin in uh, Elijah Moore of uh, Ole Miss. Um, There's quite a lot of explosive kind of slot guys in this draft um, and a lot of kind of talk about a few of them going a bit higher up, but, and I think when you're watching slot receivers, it's, it's obviously they, they find a lot of space in zone coverage and stuff in college, which they won't always get with the, you know, the, the, the kind of nickel guys playing in the NFL. Moore's one of those guys that's going to get, uh, going to find space, going to create separation with his route running, no matter who he's going up against. And um, a bit of a steal here. Obviously, I don't think he's uh, got the stature or physical build to play on the outside. So he's a bit... You Could say he's one dimensional in the fact that he's going to be a, a primarily a slot weapon, but he's also going to be used in jet sweeps, end arounds, all that sort of game. So, yeah, um, replacement for Emmanuel Sanders and um, just, a, just an all round, very, very solid player who's going to play in the NFL for a long time, I think. So, yeah, Elijah Moore, uh, and I'll hand back to you, Kieran, with the bills.
5: Yes, with the potential departure of Matt Milano to maybe even the Dolphins at this point, they're going to need a pickup at linebacker. And who better than the absolute powerhouse Jabril Cox out of LSU. This guy been nothing short of exceptional his time at LSU absolutely wrecked people coming off the edge he's picked guys off in coverage he's been fantastic absolute killer athlete and if you've seen his journey from where he's started to where he's come from absolutely inspirational Uh, so yeah Jabril Cox will fit in perfectly in the bills uh, and maybe help them get to the point where I don't have to get an Eli Manning tattoo Uh, but with the next pick we'll hand it over to Lee and the Green Bay Packers
1: yeah, up again with the Green Bay Packers after another long break. Um, I mentioned how I could have gone cornerback with the first pick I have this time. A uh, player that I've talked about quite a lot. I'm going to take Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. Um, Slid down quite a lot, actually. You know, I think we talked about um, Campbell a lot, Eric Stokes a lot. And I think quite a lot of the cornerbacks have kind of snuck above him in this mock draft that I'm a bit surprised about. Um, Defensively-wise for the uh, Packers, it's looking pretty much the same. There's only pretty much Kevin King who... Probably isn't going to be invited back even if he wasn't out of contract after his uh, NFC Championship game performance. And I think pairing Campbell with Jair Glandler really gives them a pair of feisty corners and Campbell gives them that length that they could have got with Josh Jackson. He wasn't really worked out out of Iowa from a couple of years ago. Um, So, yeah, defensively-wise, they're going to be sorted and um, then they can flip back over to offence and just... uh, build up that as much as possible for LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers to kind of um, have some fun with, because like I say, Campbell kind of completes their defence um, coming back for next year. And with that, I'm going to flip it over to Rob with the beaten Super Bowl team, the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: And I, I was gutted when you when you took Tyson Campbell here, because I was looking at the board, and I couldn't believe that he'd gone, because I I knew, um, I think it's uh, Liam was fairly high on Tyson Campbell. I was surprised uh, uh, that he didn't. Take him there When he took a cornerback For the, for the Rams Albeit slightly like different uh, But Yeah, Tyson Campbell. I was thinking to myself, I don't think the Green Bay Packers, I don't think Lee's going to get a corner here uh, with uh, Jair Alexander and that lot there in in Green Bay. I thought I was safe, and then he went. I was like, no. Uh, So I had a quick scout through uh, who I'd got rated at cornerback as well because I wanted a corner for for Kansas. Um, And I I picked uh, Ifartu Melifomu from Syracuse, and he's, he's impressive, man. He's... Again, one of these players similar to to what I was saying with Smith-Marset is a player that I've picked up on late here and I've watched a bit on tape from recently and he's it, really impressive. Great size for the NFL. Um, brother of uh, uh, safe, um, 49er safety, Obi-Mana I believe. Um, and yeah, he's he's got good... Good NFL ball skills. Is he's, he's sort of ready for this league? Great size, great athleticism. There's not many uh, down points, and I, I know Kieran is pretty high on him as well after reading what he wrote in the in the scout report. Um, want to come in here, Kieran?
5: Yeah, just want to say he's British, so it would be quite a high draft pick for us Brits. And uh, but yeah, very impressive. Uh, I'm surprised they moved him to corner, but as a safety mm. when he started at Syracuse, very athletic. <laughs> like ridiculously athletic maybe not the right size as a safety so i think the cornerback move is perfect for him and obviously like you said you read my scouting report the the kid is exceptional and the fact that he's british just makes him 10 times better basically
2: yeah and landing on uh, back-to-back Super Bowl uh, contend- or finalists, the Kansas City Chiefs the nice little spot as well. So yeah, uh, if I to Melifonwu, uh, let's hand it over to close this process out uh, again with the Super Bowl champs and Liam uh, with the Bucks,
4: the reigning Super Bowl champs, back on back on the clock. This was uh, an interesting one for me as well. There's a few got names that got taken that I was considering. There's a few areas I think that the Bucks could go with this. Um, considered quarterback, thought about uh, Mr. Brady and think that they're kind of to be a backup to Mr. Brady. I think that some of the, uh, the guys still there didn't quite fit for me. Uh, so what uh, the Buccaneers can do with pick uh, 64 is take Dylan Moses, the linebacker, out of Alabama. Um, there's some holes to fill on that front seven uh, for the Bucks, And um, after free agency, there's probably going to be one or two more, especially in uh, the linebacking uh, core. It's a really, really good place, I think, for Moses uh, to figure out where best to play him. Certainly the biggest knock uh, on him right now. But uh, big game player, um, loads of championship games. He's going to have the right mentality to go into a team that is reigning Super Bowl champs. Um, And uh, yeah, like I say, uh, fits the fits the scheme. There's a few areas where uh, he can fit into an NFL uh, linebacking formation. And I think that it's a really good place for him to go and figure it out. Um, So I don't know if anyone has anything to say on the pick uh, or the round in general. Yeah, go on, Rob.
2: Yeah, I just want to say, I'm a big fan of Dylan Moses. And I was last year going through, obviously, he had that uh, horrendous injury that saw him out of the season. and Going through this season, I'm surprised that he's dropped this far at 64, personally. He did struggle through the season, and he has recently come out and said that he you know, he nearly, kept, nearly jacked it in because it was so hard for him halfway through this season. Um, so obviously, there's a big, big red flag to his injury. However, I, I've, interestingly enough, got... In my, my latest mock, which is uh, available on the website, I've got Dinamo just going to the bucks, but I've, that's at 32 because I think it, he's the kind of guy here who sink or swim, boom or bust, because he could be, you know, we know talent-wise he's a top 10 talent because he was slated this time last year to go top 10 if he's in, if he's in the 2020 draft. He is that good. He is a really good linebacker. That injury has cost him. If he can get over it, He's going to be a superb talent, so it's worth the gamble, in my opinion. I am surprised he's gone to sixty-four. It's a great pickup here.
4: Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, definitely. But in that case, in that case, that's the the second round concluded, and uh, yeah, I hand back to Lee.
1: Yeah, awesome work. I mean, obviously, this was a bit of a painful process in some ways for us all, because obviously we had, as we mentioned last week on last week's podcast, we had the Carson Wentz trade go down. Let's redo it from pick number twenty. But also awesome jobs from all of us. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Obviously, it was a lot of work over a long time for us all, but hopefully you've enjoyed listening to it, as I mentioned. Um, I won't go around the, ra- around the table because obviously you've stuck with us this long. I don't want to prolong it much more. All I want to do is give you a shout out and give you a kind of point in the direction of our draft guide, which is coming out very, very shortly. Uh, by the time you actually hear this, we'll probably have pre-sales open um, by the end of this week. So, um, yeah, come and get your pre-sales in. Come and. Gives us some support, gives us the British game, uh, the grassroots game in American football, a, support, a bit of support because uh, proceeds or some portion of the proceeds at least are going towards that in terms of our mission here at the Full 10 Yards in terms of putting people on referees courses and um, on, on coaching courses as well. So like I say, even if you don't, like I said last week and joked around with that, if you even if you don't care about the draft guide, at least gives a few quid to put to a great cause. Well, like I said, thanks for listening to us. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. We're going to go back to the scouting series and give you some uh, some guys that we missed for the next couple of weeks on offense and defense. So, like I said, thanks for sticking with us. See you soon. Take it easy.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, Keep those eyes peeled.